Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you are blessed by today's sermon. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. You may be seated. Uh, so this is great. This is a great Sunday. Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. I hope that you're celebrated well. I'm sure I will be. I, I'm, it's gonna. It's gonna happen for sure. I, I'm, I'm pretty. At least I'm pretty sure. This is a really great morning for me. When I got the lectionary to see what I was going to get to talk about, there's, there could be sermons all over this. There's not. There's only one, I promise. I'm not going to go longer than that. But in it, as we read it, the psalm this week is Psalm 107. And in the beginning of it, it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And at Young Life Camp, where I got to go so many times, the last night of camp, there's a celebration, and it's called Say So. And that's the verse that's used. But it's a time when kids for the first time stand up and profess their faith in Christ. And it's beautiful, this beautiful picture. So I get to, I I thought about that. And and then you read Job and the questions that are asked. It it made me think this. There is a God that is good and I am not him in any way. He's big and he's good. And he reconciles all things to himself through his son, as it says in 2 Corinthians But today I'm going to focus on the gospel reading. I'm going to focus on the storms, the storms that maybe we face, the storms in our lives, and the storms that the disciples faced. I love this passage. It's probably a passage that I've I've taught and spoken on for years, probably every year for about the last 30 years. So I'm pretty familiar with it. But in it, there's some newness that I'm really excited to get to share with you. So about 20 years ago, I was given the opportunity to take a group of my high school friends on a wilderness trip, about seven days backpacking in the backcountry of Colorado, and I was really excited about it. The idea of it early on seemed amazing to go out for seven days hiking in the mountains, but you really got to prepare for it, and to be honest, I wasn't prepared at all. So as time got closer, I got a little more fearful, and by the time we got on the trail, that first couple of days, I was like, I shouldn't be here. I really shouldn't be here. This is, I, I'm not in shape. I don't really want to be carrying a pack on my back. Like I've got these kids that are complaining and I'm kind of complaining, really complaining in my mind. And I'm walking down some of the paths going, you know, I can control this whole thing. I could take a fall. And if I take a fall, they'll have to evac me and I won't have to do this anymore because I really am not sure I can do this for seven days. I don't know if I have it in me. But I did, and I kept pushing forward. And about the third day, we had gone up really high one afternoon and started to come back down. And as is the case in Colorado, oftentimes you come off of a mountain and and storms blow in really quickly. So we came off of a mountain at about 14,000 feet, came down onto this Table Rock Mountain that we had to go across. It was about three miles long, and we had to go to that, drop down into a valley. Beautiful place, but it's kind of slow going. It's still pretty rough. And then I started watching the leaders. And you could tell something was going on as they watched the clouds and they started talking to each other. And you could see that they're getting a little bit more concerned and the clouds are getting a little darker. The skies are getting a little darker. And we knew at this point that there's a storm coming and there's not a lot we can do. We're at the front end of this play, of this, of this big table rock and we're not going to be able to get off of it in time. And so Finally, one of the leaders pulls me aside and he said, I need you to listen to me. I need you to pay attention to me. And this is really important. 
Because if this thing comes in like we think it's going to, there's going to be lightning, there's going to be wind, there's going to be rain, hail, all these things could be going on. We've got to get to the lowest point that we possibly can get to. We need to huddle together, get away from being up high, and we need to, we need to plan ourselves. And I was like, all right, great. I really should have fallen down yesterday. <laughs> so as they predicted, the storm blows in, and it is it is, I mean, a gully washer. It is blowing and rain and lightning. And you could feel, literally, you can feel the hair begin to stand up. It's that close. You're, and it was terrifying. And we're huddled in this group and we're kind of holding. And I could tell that all the guys that were with me were holding me to blame. It was my fault. I took them on this trip and they're all going to die. It's not going to work out. And then who's going to tell their parents? It's going to be a terrible thing. But we begin to pray. And finally, the storm kind of subsides, and we're, you know, when you do something that's terrifying in a group, no one really says anything after it's over. And you were kind of walking off the top of this, this Table Rock Mountain to drop down in the valley, and we were all just quiet. That night, we sat around our campfire, and really, people just hadn't talked. We set up camp quietly, we sit around, and then finally, one of the guys in this circle as we built the fire and we're sitting about to kind of have our time together. He goes, man, God is big. And I want some of that. And it was this beautiful picture that right in the middle of the storm, he was able to see God in a way that he's never seen him before. For all of us in this storm, it allowed us to see God in a way that we'd never seen him before. And I think that this passage is such a great picture of this. So many times we want to look at the passage and say, it's all about the peace, be still. God's going to come and quiet our storms. But there's so much more about this storm that I want to talk about because I think it's in the storm that we're able to really see God more clearly, who he is and what he does for us. So let's go to the text. And then John uh, and Mark, the thing that we know is he is kind of just the facts. He's the gospel where he just presents the facts and gets it out to you. And in this, there's so much detail packed, so many things packed in these few verses, so much description, especially by Mark's terms. So it says this, that on that day, when the evening had come, he said, let's go across to the other side. So there's a few things that I want you to know. He spent a long day teaching, and this has been a long few days. He's gone, he's gone to the synagogue and, and taught, and his brother mother came, and he's going crazy. We need to get him out of there, and he keeps preaching and teaching, and then he goes out, and people begin to follow him. And I think there's something that I want you to see is everywhere Jesus goes, these crowds follow. Some may want to be entertained. Some may just want to see. Some may want to hear. But there's something about Jesus that draws us in. And it's no different today as it was then. And the crowds come, and it says that he's by the lake, and he gets in a boat and begins to teach, and he's teaching. So on that day that had been a tiring day, he had expended a lot of who he was, so much of who he was as he healed and drove out demons as he, as he shared life in a way that they had never heard it in the words that he spoke. And so then he says to his disciples, let us get in the boat and go to the other side. They're in the boat. Let's go to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took with him, the, they took him, them in the boat just as he was and other boats were with him. So you get the scene. He's out in the water. They never go back to shore. He said, let's go to the other side. He's tired. In this place, we get to see the divinity of Christ. We also get to see the incarnation, the man of Christ. 
So they're in the boat, they head to the other side, and even boats are beginning to follow. They want to go where he's going, and he's pulling away from the crowd. And the, another thing that I want you to hear in this is that the disciples went willingly. They said they were obedient. They went because he told them to go. And so they go across the Sea of Galilee um, and with the boats following them. And what did Jesus want them to do? We don't really know except to get to the other side. He knew what they had in store, but we don't really know a whole lot more about that. But then it says in verse 37, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. So I want you to get a picture of what's going on. I mean, the boat's about 26 feet long. It's not a very big boat, about seven and a half feet deep. It's got a sail. Um, it's going out on this body of water. And the Sea of Galilee is, is fascinating because it is, it is not a super big lake. It's not small, but it's, it's positioned really well to create the, like a wind tunnel. It's 628 feet below sea level, very low, mountains around it. And so as heat rises up and cool air comes, the mountains around this lake begin to funnel air onto the water, and it churns. And these storms still happen today. So this body of water begins to churn with the guys in the boat. Remember, some of these guys have grown up on this lake. They, know, they are fishermen. They know what to do. But this comes on really quickly. And it is terrifying. It says that the waves are beginning to crush and come over the side of the boat. And it says that it was filling up. So we get the scene. These guys are beginning to bail and work and go at it, trying to make sure that they get across the other side. And then it says in verse 38, But Jesus, he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. (laughs) What an amazing scene. What an incredible picture. These guys, these fishermen, these guys who've been out their whole lives on this water are in this boat terrified and doing all that they can. And Jesus is sitting in the back, on the back of the boat, on a cushion, asleep. Not awakened by the storm. Not awakened probably by the guys that are screaming and hollering, trying to figure out how to do this. Their sail is probably turned and and torn and all this is going on. And Jesus is asleep. So just like many of us, I think that the question begins to arise. They're probably growing a little resentful. Probably like the high school guys that I took on a trail. As they're sitting in a storm, terrified, wondering why they're even there. And they see Jesus in the back and he's sleeping while they are struggling. He led them into the storm. He told us to go to the other side. Why is this happening? And the point of all this is that they were there because Jesus had said to go and no storm. And for them, that's their thought. They're blaming him. But no storm surprises Jesus. No storm unnerves Jesus. He knows the storms we'll face and the impacts that these storms will have on us. Too often when we face storms in our lives, we scramble for safety. We try to come up with our own solutions. We often try to blame God. And we miss that he is right there with us all along. Several years ago when I got sick and was flying back from Africa and was not doing well, I started to get angry and blame God for the situation that I was in. I mean, I I was doing mission work. I was in a place where, why is this happening? 
I think it's pretty common for us to begin to rely on ourselves in the midst of a storm because we think we can handle what's in front of us. But too often times our boat begins to get filled and capsized and we don't know what to do. And Jesus is sleeping in the stern of the boat. And I think, again, it's an incredible picture of the incarnation. God is man and he's tired. He's, he's man. But it's also a great picture of our creator, the deity of God, because he knows that he is in control at all times. He'd been sleeping all the way and nothing had woken him, not the screaming or the men. And so they finally did what we do sometimes. They begin to cry out, don't you care? Wake up. We're out in the middle of this. We're caught. We're trapped. Help us. Don't you care? Don't you care if we drown? Storms can cause us to doubt. Storms can rattle and shake our faith. And we begin to blame and wonder where God is. Why have you left us? Why have you abandoned us? Why have you deserted us? Why are we here alone? And, and the crazy thing is, is that Jesus is right in the back of the boat asleep. He's there. He never left. He's there. But they still ask the question, don't you care if we drown? Of course, if they drown, one thing that is pretty important to recognize that is lost in the shuffle of all that's going on is if they drown, then Jesus probably drowns too. If it's that kind of storm that's going to capsize the boat, then Jesus is on the boat with him. So it begins to even doubt who he is. They begin to have these feelings. And do we, at times, in the middle of midst of the storms of our life, do we begin to, to believe something that's not really true? Do we believe that we've been abandoned? Do we believe that Christ is not with us? Do we think that we can handle it on our own? The sad part of this is that the disciples are probably more like me than I would like to admit. They worked to save themselves even though he was with them. They grew frustrated and angry, and they blamed him. They probably tried to turn the sail. They did all these things to save themselves, and yet they were unable to. Have you ever done that in a storm in your life? I've got this. I've got it. And then it overwhelms you. What do I do? Where do I turn? What do we do? We do exactly too often. We blame and we deny and we run. We try to do it ourselves and fix ourselves. But they did finally did the thing that they needed to do. They cried out. They cried out to Jesus and said, don't you care? We're going to drown. But they cried out and said, we need, we need you. We need to be saved. We respond by trying to gain control. What we must do, I do to get this thing under control and determine what has happened to survive. We're always seeking to be in control of our own lives, but life is too big to be controlled by us. Though they knew and have seen Jesus over these last time, this last season, they've seen him healed. They've seen him bring life back into people's lives. They've seen him drive out demons. They've heard the words that he says, but a lot of it remained a theory for them. They knew a lot about him. They knew what he was capable of doing in that instant away from the boat. But at this moment, it was just a theory. It wasn't a faith that he could save them. I think that we can be like this. 
Too often we make Jesus a theory. We know about it intellectually. It's easy. It makes sense until we're right in the middle of the storm and we can't see beyond what's right in front of us. But Jesus doesn't see things quite like that way. And so then it says this in verse 39, and, he, and Jesus, and he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Jesus rebukes the storm. He says, be still. And it says immediately. It happened immediately. Right then, right there. It wasn't still a little bit of waves. It was still. Calm. Peace came. He rebuked the winds and they stopped. And then he says, why are you so afraid? Don't you have faith? Don't you know who I am? He does. Do we ever do that? Do we ever doubt question? Do we have to be reminded of who he is? As they went across the Lake of Galilee with a man, they were about halfway across and they realized that it wasn't just a man. It was God. It was the creator of the universe that was in the boat with him. Who is it that the wind and the waves obey him? We come to church Sunday after Sunday, we go to classes, we study, we learn. Yet when storms come too often, we do all that we can to save ourselves and to try to figure it out. We still think life is up to us, that we can handle life storms, that we have the wisdom, the strength, the energy to be in control. But then it, we cry out because we need a savior. We need a God. They're, ter- they're terrified, but not in a cowardly sense. They're terrified because they're overwhelmed by the presence of who God is, who Jesus is in that moment. So what are the storms that hit our lives, that rattle us, that shake us? Maybe it's the loss of someone that we love, that we don't know how we're going to get through it, or financial struggles, or an illness that seems to take all that we were of ourselves, struggles in our marriage with our children. You fill in the blank. I think we all know the storms that we face. Whatever the storm is, I think that the text teaches us that we can't lose faith, that in storms we see who Jesus is and that he cares for us and he does have a plan for each of us, a plan to draw us into a deeper relationship and reliance in him a plan for us to be able to see Jesus for who he is. We must not lose sight that God is here. He's involved in our lives. He's the creator of all. He's the Lord of all, the sovereign of all, the controller of all. God is here. And yet we still want to be in control too often. We must move from control in our own lives to trust in Jesus. So how are you facing your storms? Are you in the boat terrified, angry, doing all the work, trying in futility to bail yourself out? The water's rising faster than you can work. Do you trust that God is with you? It's not just the peace be still. It's that he never left. He was always there. Do you trust that he's with you? That in the worst times, he's not abandoned us. But maybe we have to cry out to him.
The only way to control life is to trust the only one who can control it. Knowledge about Jesus must become trust in Jesus through the storms in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you do not abandon us. That in the midst of trials, storms, things in our lives that seem insurmountable, you've never left. Father, that you are in control. That we don't need to worry and fret. But we have to trust. Father, we thank you for your son Jesus. And it's in the strong name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.